Thank you, Jillian. Connecting the dots. To fully understand Christmas, there is a connecting of the dots that needs to happen. And maybe you've already done that, likely many of you have, but maybe you haven't. Or maybe you've never given it any uh, careful thought. Connecting the dots, of course, is something that is very applicable in various aspects of life. Um, Investigators do this as they try to connect the dots at the scene of the crime with the evidence that they see. Some people love to connect the dots in how people are related, you know, kind of. It's like, isn't that every one of our grandmothers? Connecting the dots, relationships. Connecting the dots is a concept in business. One marketing website had this statement. Learning how to connect the dots with ways to utilize marketing tools is the key to greater success in today's marketplace. Steve Jobs talked about the, he called it the art and science of dot connecting in a Stanford commencement speech he gave quite some years ago saying, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. So you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future from philosopher Jobs. So if you tend toward uh, reflection, introspection. You may spend time doing what Jobs talked about there, looking back with with curiosity, uh, endeavoring to identify the points in your life where your direction, the direction of your life, took a a quarter turn here or or a 180 there to the point where you can look back and identify how the the dot of your love for music started with the dot of your grandfather getting his guitar and sitting you as a child at his feet and singing songs together. Or maybe it's your your career, maybe a pilot. You connect the dots and recognize that it all started when, as as a kid, you were on an airplane, bored out of your tree, sitting there in the delay and departure, and the flight attendant came up to you and asked, would you like to meet the pilot in the cockpit? I don't know if they do that anymore, but... And then as this time, at, at this time of year, you will likely soon have no choice. But to connect the dots between the fun pre-Christmas gift-buying shopping trip, if that's what you call it, fun, and the moment in early January when you look at the credit card statement. You're going to you're gonna have to do that. Connect the dots. Now, those are all examples of ways that we connect the dots. But there's, there's a far more important example that I want to, and we've already talked about it, highlight in the next several minutes here. I want to draw your attention to the experience of connecting the dots between the Christmas story about the birth of Jesus, God the Son coming into the human race as a baby, and the story about his death and resurrection that we celebrate at Easter. It's actually one continuous story, but two distinct dots on the uh, historical timeline of Jesus' life. Watch this video uh, as someone who, you'll see someone who came to the realization of this very thing.
I mean, can you even imagine what it would have been like to have been born in a manger? Yeah, I know. I wonder whatever happened to baby Jesus. <laughs> well, he grew up. You knew that, right? Yeah, yeah. Wait, wait. Are you telling me that baby Jesus from the Christmas story is the same guy as the adult walk-on-water Jesus? Yes. <laughs> it's the same guy? Yeah. I just, sorry, I just never put those two concepts together before. <laughs> Well, I wonder whatever happened to him. You know about the whole cross thing, right? That's the same guy? Come on, baby Jesus was the Jesus on the cross. What? I mean, there was some time in between, but yeah, he was born and he grew up and taught people and then he died on the cross and then he rose again and now he lives in our hearts. Wait, that's the same guy, the Jesus that lives in our hearts. <laughs> I guess sometimes, you know, I forget to put two and two together. I guess. It's almost as if we need to stop seeing Christmas as an isolated event and see it as more of a continuous story of our salvation. Yeah, actually, that's exactly right. Is this the same guy? Same guy. Same guy. We showed that a few years ago at Christmas Eve. I just had to go back to it. It's just classic. <laughs> the historically key, historically reliable stories of Christmas and Easter that are both recorded in the Bible, of course, are profoundly connected. And the, the biblical narrative of both of these amazing stories is historically accurate and reliable. There is much evidence to verify that. And I want to read three verses from Luke's historical record of the life of Jesus in the New Testament. In Luke chapter 2, divine communication came to the shepherds at that time through an angel, and they were quoted by, uh, the, the, uh, the angel was quoted by the historian Luke. And by the way, on that note, uh, one, of the, one of the greatest archaeologists of all time, Sir William Ramsey, formerly, who was very skeptical about Luke and the reliability of his biblical record, uh, he sought out to prove it wrong. And after serious study, this is many, many years ago, after extensive study, he came to the point where he said this, Luke is a historian of the first rank biblical reliability about this important story that we're talking about. So Luke 2, 10 to 12, do not be afraid, said the angel, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. Christ means the Messiah, the sent one. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. The angel called it uh, good tidings of great joy because a baby was born. I mean, the birth of a, a baby is, is great, of course, but this was different. The God of eternity who has existed as God from eternity past broke into human history, taking on human flesh so that, so that he could relate to our lives, to our, to our pain, to our weakness. But being God was perfectly sinless. So he could be the perfect sacrifice for the penalty that our sin 
deserved. And, and, and by his death and resurrection, remove that sin barrier between us and God so that we could have this, this, this personal and eternal relationship with our creator that God makes available through Christ to all of us. That's why he's called the Savior in Luke 2.11, saving us from the consequence of our sin, which is eternally being separated from God, our creator. Not a good thing. And he could not be a savior if he had stayed in the, you know, manger, stayed as a baby. The baby Jesus is a picture to many of, uh, uh, many of us of, of something joyful and pleasant. Jesus in a manger, you know, cultivate, cultivates uh, smiles, and, and, and so it should. But Easter, the, the cross, the place of brutal uh, uh, cru- uh, crucifixion, not so much. Unless, unless... You've received and experienced the freedom from sin and shame that the cross of Jesus provides by by applying that sacrifice to your own life personally. And I know that many of you have done that. If the baby stayed a baby, there would be nothing to celebrate, actually. But it's because of Easter that the full celebration of Christmas is warranted because, again, this this baby grew and lived a sinless life and and then voluntarily went to the cross for you and I, again, to take upon himself our just penalty for sin and then powerfully rose from the dead to prove God's power over sin and death and everything that separates humanity from him because that's not what he wanted. Hope and eternal life in heaven are possible because Jesus, the Jesus of the cross, is the same guy as the walk on water Jesus, who is the same guy as the baby Jesus in the manger, who is the same God who dwells in our hearts if we invite him to be the the forgiver of our sin and the leader of our life. He'll, he'll come and fill, he'll, he'll come and fill that, that void within us. It's what 17th century um, philosopher and mathematician Blaise Pascal talked about. And in that statement he made, and I'll, I'll share it in a moment, it's just as, as applicable today as it was those many centuries ago. He said, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God the Creator, made known to us through Jesus. An amazing statement from a, a brilliant man who uh, himself was a, was a follower of Jesus. The story is told of a woman who was doing her last-minute shopping, Christmas shopping, at a crowded mall, and she, she got tired of fighting the crowds, and she got tired of waiting in line, and so she decided to, to head home earlier than she had, had thought without the full list being accomplished. But uh, she decided to leave, and her arms were full of bulky packages as she waited for the elevator that she needed to take to the parkade. And when it opened... It was already quite full, but the occupants of the elevator, graciously, begrudgingly, though, squeezed together a little bit to make room for her and her uh, her load of purchases. Well, as the door closed, she blurted out, whoever's responsible for this whole Christmas thing ought to be strung up, arrested and strung up. There were some awkward chuckles, and then from the back of the elevator came a soft voice that said, that already happened. They crucified him. True. 
true, and they did. Watch this. an absolutely amazing thought. The God who made everything in our entire universe came to us because of his love as Pastor Charity pulled that heart uh, as a reminder out of the manger a few moments ago because of his love for us. It's a mind-boggling reminder, his birth and, of course, his death and resurrection of how deep God's love is for us. Have you ever felt that emptiness that I referred to a moment ago, and you wonder if, if, that, if that void inside that is just hard to, maybe hard to explain, hard to, hard to put your finger on, and you've tried many things, you wonder if that void you, you feel inside will ever be filled or satisfied, or if true contentment in life is ever going to be something that you experience. Why do you think John Mayer wrote a song called Something's Missing? And then he lists all of the things that he has, which is a lot, but still sings, something's missing, and I don't know how to fix it. Something's missing, and I don't know what it is at all. It's the same reason that in his 60 Minutes interview years ago, Tom Brady, with all his Super Bowl rings and unprecedented football success, still verbalized his deep, nagging question, why do I still feel empty? It's because there's a God-shaped vacuum in every human heart that can only be filled by God himself. There may be some of you who tonight come to realize this, and you know it's what you need in your life. You need God. There's opportunity for you just to tell God that you want Him to be the forgiver of your sin, the leader of your life, and you, by faith, thank Him for what He did for you so that a relationship with God, your Creator, your Heavenly Father, an eternal, personal relationship could be experienced by you and change not only the trajectory of your life here and now, but of your eternity. 
If you're interested in that or if you have questions, we, we'd, we'd love to help you. We'd love to help you if you make that commitment to put down roots in that new relationship. There's a I'm new card in the, in the uh, chair in front of you that you can be free to fill out and put in the welcome kiosk at the back. There's a slot in the top. Or the QR code will bring up a, a form where you can just indicate to us that, that you'd, you'd like to dialogue further about this, and we would love that opportunity. God bless you.